Hey, it's Pastor Ted Fabianic here from Faith Love Church in Melbourne, Australia. Welcome to our podcast. We pray that when you listen to this, you'll be inspired and blessed to reach the best things that God has for you. Just right now, whatever situation you find yourself in, God's here. He's right here. We don't, we don't need to send an invitation out to bring him down. He's already here because he's made an appointment with you. He's made an appointment with you because he wants to touch you today. I declare to you today that things, the turnaround that you have been waiting for has already started. Some of you have been praying and praying and praying and you've said in your heart, God, when? God, when? God, when? But God has already started the process. But if you are not aware of it, you will be praying for something that already has happened. And I'm here to tell you right now, just to relax in the Holy Spirit. Stop your striving. Stop manipulating. Stop scheming. Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Because He has anointed you. So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we rejoice. We're getting out of our grave. God, we're getting up. We are no longer going to sit in a begging position. We are no longer going to cry out like we're beggars, like we're servants, like we're guests. But Father, we're going to cry out with the cry of the family that I belong here that this is my home, that this is my heritage, that this is the place where I am ordained. I am positioned to increase my inheritance. I am not a beggar. I am a son. I am not a victim. I am a victor. I am no longer the head. I am no longer the tail, but I am the head. I am no longer beneath, but I am above. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we shake it all off and right now we are prepared to receive your word. Father right now we make room see one of, one of the keys to receiving is having enough room just, just look at me for a moment when the computer has, has gone beyond its storage and you try to save something it brings up no more room. So what you need to do is make some room today. The way you make some room is stop clogging it up with your thoughts and let the thoughts of God come in. See, the, see the, I've spent all week preparing this message, right? Everybody go, thank you, Ted. Yeah, okay. My wife thanks me, but I just needed a little bit more. I was just feeling. So I'm full, okay? But you're not. See, this week, God hasn't been just talking about me. He's been talking about you. So I've come as his representative to talk to you. If you will put weight on what I say, I guarantee you, you will, things will change. So what you do... And what I used to do with my computer sometimes when I'm too long, I just go delete, 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 delete. I love the delete button. I absolutely love it. I think, and every one of you have a delete button. And every time you delete a thought, you make room for another thought. 
So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you're going to do us good today. You are going to do us fabulous today. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hey, weren't they good? Check that little guitar out. Man, he plays the guitar like that. That is amazing. Hey, Paul, did you see that? I'd like to see you play that. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Hey, we want to welcome all the people listening to us online. Oh, um, and you and everybody else. And uh, just to let you know, God's just been so good for us. Our message is traveling all through Europe, United States, Malaysia, Singapore, Indonesia, uh, Melbourne. Wow. So today, you need to stop competing with grace. Before I... Now, let me just say this thing. I love competition. Don't look at me like that. I grew up in a big family. We used to compete. Who could eat the fastest? Who can eat the most? Everything I've ever done, because we were brought, I was brought up in a family of 11, and so everything was competitive. When mum would put the meal on the table, it wasn't food, it was competition. You wanted to starve somebody by eating more. Now, tell you what, with me, the competition that was in me. I remember one time we, we bought our first Nintendo, and it was amazing, and he came with this car game. And one night, we started at about 9 o'clock with my daughter, and so we were playing racing cars and used to go around the circuit and who would get the best. Anyway, so we were in competition. Well, anyway, my daughter kept on beating me. We played until 2 a.m. in the morning. So I, 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 and she was still beating me, so I told her to go to bed. Like a good father that I am, I said, baby, bed. So she goes to bed. Anyway, I, about 3.30, I beat her record. So do you know what I did? Like a really good father, I went to encourage her. I woke her up and I said, hey, babe, I just beat you. And, and then she didn't really get it, so I had to shake her up a little bit. And I go, come up. And I took her out of bed, stuck her in front of the television and go, I beat you. See, now you're understanding what your pastor Silvos had to go through most of her life. Everything was a competition. You know, she'd go around a corner really, you know, really superbly. So next time I go around that corner and I looked at her speedo and I said, oh, I can do it better than you. Come on. You're all looking at me. No, no. And let me just show you something. Competition is something that is a part or it has its essence in sin. Now, for you to understand what I'm going to say, we need to go back to the book of Genesis. And in the book of Genesis, something extraordinary happens. Is this. Is that before, when God made Adam and Eve, he made them in his own image. The Bible doesn't say that he halved his image. It doesn't say that he watered down the image. The Bible says he took his image and he put it in them so that they were the image of God. Now, here's the amazing thing. There was no one at that point in time 
that had the image of God. They were unique. They were the one of the kind. There was no other being that looked like Adam and Eve. They were in the exact image. So you need to understand, when God made them, he gave them the complete package. So they were not made with any deficiencies, nor was there any modification needed. They were the complete deal. Now you get, they come into the Garden of Eden, and God says, don't eat this tree. First point here. They had to reach out and take this and eat it. So the tree wasn't in them, it was out there. So it required an action to stretch out, pick the fruit, eat it. You good with me so far? So you get Genesis chapter 3, and all of you are going to read it. Three people are going to read it. Thank you, Jesus. I'm preaching so well. Now, watch this. So, they come in to the garden. They are complete. They aren't deficient. They come into the garden, and the serpent comes in, and he starts to talk to them, and he says, you know what? You're not complete. You're missing something. You are missing something. And he says this to them. Now, watch this very carefully. He says, what you're missing is that God knows that if you eat this, you will be like him. Here's your problem. He's telling them that they are not complete. But they were created complete. So you have a complete being being educated by an inferior being, and the inferior being is telling them that they're not complete. Think about this. Don't you ever, ever feel that Satan is superior and that you are inferior? You know what the Bible says in Revelations? When we come to the end of the time, we're going to look at Satan, and you know what we're going to do? I was scared of you. So you get this inferior being educating them and saying, you're not. What they were doing was, what he was doing was this, is God made you incomplete and you need to complete it. He was saying that he wasn't going, Satan wasn't saying, I will complete you. He says, no, what you've got If you want to be complete, if you want to be like God, you need this. Now, what he was saying was so intricately terrible in that fact that he was saying, what you need is outside of you, not inside of you. Once you put this into your thinking, is temptation always comes from without to come in. So Satan is saying to them, Eve, If you want to be like God, the first thing that Eve does, she questions her identity. You know what he would, here's what's really interesting, is that Eve was already like God. She didn't need anything to add to it. 
It's like somebody coming up to me and says, I want to teach you how to be Ted. You can't teach me how to be Ted. I am Ted. You, you cannot be Ted. The reason you can't be Ted because none of you are as handsome as I am. Because, let me tell you why you can't be like me. It's because God made you complete. And the moment you try to be like somebody else, what you do is you contaminate your completeness. So when you contaminate your completeness, you've got two minds. You've got the original mind and a new mind talking to you exactly the same time. Think about it. If you want to be like me, but you are like you. So every time you come into a situation, you'll go, what would Ted do? What would I do? So Satan comes in, and this was his temptation. I want you to add to something that's complete. Good? Foundation one. This is just, I'm not preaching yet. It's going to be a long day. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm actually trying to go something new. I want to preach only for 30 minutes. But I can change my mind. <laughs> so what we have here is that you find the issue of temptation was that Satan was saying, I'm going to make you like you when you are already new. So what Satan does, he says, you're still missing something. You've got to do something to it. Get this. They were made complete by God, none of their own works. So they were complete because God said it. End of story. They didn't have to do anything to live in the completeness, to think in their completeness. So what he introduces them is you have a lack and I can fulfill it. That's your first foundation. Second foundation is this misuse of the word law in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament. In Faith Life Church, we believe in the law, but we believe the purpose of the law, not the purpose of the law. Okay, I've got so much that I want to share with you, and um, 2025 is coming, so I've got to hurry. So, the, so what we have, Adam and Eve fall, they go out of the garden, their biggest problem is now is how do I get right with God? The sin essence is this, is what must I do to be right with God? The essence of sin is this, I am not right, what must I do to fix the situation? Sin always tells you that you are the main ingredients for your own salvation and for your own breakthrough. That competition that says, this will not happen unless you engage something of yourself. So watch this. When we talk about the purpose of the law, Jesus said it like this. I didn't come here to destroy the law, but I came here to fulfill the law. You know what the essence of the law was? Adam comes in with that sin nature and he's proud. And he goes, I can do it. I can get to this level where I am right with God. I can do stuff where I can get into God's face and go, God, 
I'm back to the original. So God says this way, you want to know the original? Do you want to know what you need to do to become like the original? And he gives them the law. 616 laws. Everybody say, hey, easy. No worries, I can do that standing on my head. Watch this now. This is just another thing. For you that are studious, do you realize that no man, no woman, no boy, no girl ever received anything on the merit of the law only by grace and faith? When you read Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11 says, By faith Abraham, by faith Moses, by faith Gideon, by faith Solomon, by faith Never, I completed the law, completed the law. Now watch this. this is, I'm just giving you, this is quick, this is a, a couple of our teaching. You know what the purpose of the law is? The purpose of the law comes to your pride, comes to your self-will, and it says, you think you've got it? Here it is, fulfill it. But the, pro, the thing is that law is designed to bring the reality of God's kingdom in you to say this, there is nothing inside of me that can come up and be face to face with God. That's why, that's why you look in the Old Testament and it says there's no good thing in me. What they're saying is that I can't do what I need to do to get to this level. So the purpose of the law is this. He is your introducer to the one that does it for you. So what the law does. See, the person that introduced me to Sulvay, the moment I met Sulvay, I did not need him. When we got married, there wasn't three. On our first, you know, when I took us, started dating Sulvay, the person that introduced me, guess what I did with him? Thank you. Push off. See, the purpose of the person that introduced us, he was an introducer for me to meet Sulvay. Once I've met Sulvay, I no longer need him. So what the Lord does, he says this to you. How, many, how much have you prayed? Not good enough. How much have you read? Not good enough. How many good works have you done? Not good enough. Not good enough. And he goes, have you finally got to the point where you realize you can't do it? And when you have, then the law screams out this beautiful name of Jesus. The law says, what you can't do, he'll do for you. So the purpose of the law was to introduce you to Jesus. You good? Now, we start talking about what we were talking about competing is that competition arises when two or more parties strive for the same goal. Inside of you, because you are made in the image of God, is the residue to get into the face of God. See, the word presence means that you look somebody face to face. So when we talk about the presence of God, is you're not looking at the feet of Jesus. You're not looking at his upper body. You're not looking at his hands. You're looking at his face. The word presence means face to face. The, first, the reason you long for that is that's how you were created. When God made Adam and Eve, he formed them. They looked like this. You know how he breathed on them? He took his face, put it against his face and breathed. The longing for every single person 
is to get into the face of God. Okay, let me just show you this. You know the people you really like that you have pictures? Isn't it amazing that their face is always in it? How many of you got a picture of the one you love and you just got their legs? See, what recognizes you from anybody else is not your body type, it's your face. Now, now we're getting, this is, everybody go, Tez now got to preach. Ready, 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 go. Okay, this is where it starts. In John chapter 6, it's an amazing story. Starts off with God, he's feeding the 5,000. And then he, he feeds them, and it was possibly about 20,000 people there. He, there's, a, there's a great miracle. He walks on water, great miracle. People catch up to him, and they ask him this question. What must we do to do the works of God? Interesting question. Again, you understand this thing. What must we do? Once you understand that, that's why we talked about Genesis chapter 3. It is what, Eve, what you must do to be like God is to eat this fruit. And so they come to him, to Jesus, and they go, Jesus, we understand who you are. But what must we do to see miracles? What must we do to see a breakthrough? What must we do to have peace? What must we do to have no condemnation? What must we do to have provision? What must we do to be successful? The self-help movement works on the premise is you're not doing enough. If you change what you're doing, then you can become something, correct? Self-help is this, self-help. What must I do? You know the problem with some of the self-help? is you're trying to help yourself, but you're lousy at it. Come on. You, you, the, reason, the reason they sell so much is because every self-help book has no the end on it. It's got another rule. 150 rules. You pick all of them and you still haven't got your breakthrough. Ah, 1,051. I've done that one. Oh, 1,052. You're 155 years old and you go, I, I, I'm done. So they said, what must we do? In other words, you know what they're saying? I am deficient, so there is a deficiency in me. So Jesus, you are doing something that's giving you this result. Here's something really deep. You can mimic a doing. Uh, when, I was in, um, when I was a sales engineer, we used to have some really um, prominent customers. And, and I, that, uh, you know, I was going for an interview with them to get some work. And the first thing they said to me, Ted, you know, my manager said, Ted, you, you, know, you need a proper, get, a, get yourself another tie, another suit jacket. You need to look like you're professional. So what he was, he goes, Ted, first appearance is really good. And I, I agree with that. But they said, you can mimic the outside, but you cannot mimic the inside. So that's why, listen to me, is this okay? That is why you never mimic anybody's prayer life. It's very easy to pray for an hour and have your brain somewhere else. How many of you ever done that? How many of you ever prayed like this? 
Okay, you set your watch. Dear Jesus, I'm praying in the name of Jesus. I pray for mom and I pray for dad. I pray for this. I pray for Ted. Yeah, Ted, Pastor Ted really needs some help. Seriously, he can't keep the time. Oh, dear Jesus. And then your, your mouth is speaking, dear Lord Jesus, and your brain is saying, I'll have a Big Mac, French fries, upsize it. Yeah, and then you're saying, oh, yeah, the sport's on today. Praise God in the name of Jesus. Let the wallabies win. Oh, yes, dear Lord Jesus. Amen. Oh, yes, a T20 is on. Oh, praise dear Lord Jesus. I love you so much. Oh, but we've got to beat those New Zealanders in the name of Jesus. Oh, yes. And then tomorrow, oh, man, I forgot to wash the car on the way to wash the car. Oh, yes, dear Lord Jesus. On the way home, I've got to pick up milk. The reason you're laughing is because you do that. Come on. That's why we haven't got a clock up here. <laughs> but you see, the thing is, you can mimic praying for an hour. Let, let me just tell you this in all sincerity. I believe in praying long, okay? But one minute with full focus on the Lord Jesus Christ is worth more than an hour praying with your focus somewhere else. So they come to Jesus and they go, Jesus, we are lacking something. What must we do? What must we do? Now listen to this. Now I've got this out. There's a, a translation called the mirror image. It's a brilliant one. It says this. And he goes, what must we do? So God tells you. Now, remember, when you get into the, he when you get into the kingdom of God, he defines this. God says that this is what I want you to do. This is the work of God. Everybody say, this is the work. So this is, God says, I need you to work. So now he defines work. Outside, now remember this, the, when the work came out of the kingdom, work represented sweat and tears. The Bible says when you hopped out of Eden, you hopped out, it says now the ground will fight you and out of the sweat of your brow you will produce. So work means self effort. So outside of the kingdom, when I tell you to work, it's going to cost you your energy, it's going to cost you your time. In the kingdom of God, God says, let me redefine work for you. This is the work of God, your belief in the one who has been sent. God says your work is to believe. Now listen to this. Even your ability to believe is God's work. Realizing your authentic sonship on exhibit in Jesus as God's gift to you and cannot be earned. How can your labor compete with God's rest celebrates as complete? How can you compete? Think about this. Just let that dawn on you. Is God says, outside of the kingdom, you are doing. Inside of the kingdom, you are believing. This works like this. In the kingdom, the faith does the work for you. Outside of the kingdom, you do the work yourself. You know, I mentioned this before when my manager took me out to one of our clients and he said, Ted, I want to know why you're successful. And um, I, I, I wish I knew some self-help books then. And, and, God, and I, I heard God just quietly say, Ted, why don't you just tell him the truth and, take, and just see what happens. 
So I, I took a risk faith. I'm, I'm talking to my general manager. He's the one that fires and hires. Every, it, you know, my next position was his position. So I'm being groomed for this. And I'm thinking, oh man. And I said to him, and I said, the, the honest truth is, is I pray. And he looked at me. And he goes, every time that I put forward a quotation or a tender, I lay my hands on it. That went, we didn't do, there was no electronic uh, paper back then. It was just all paper. He said, I would pray for it. I would even take oil on it that represented the anointing of the Holy Spirit and just touch the back of the envelope. And, and, and so I said to him, it's God that does it, Luke. And I said to him, that some of the machines that we've been famous for happened because God told me on the kitchen table after we finished eating, I started drawing, I started working out, and God worked it out. So I come up designing all this stuff. And people, how do you do it? It was God. Now here's something now, watch this. You good with me? The sin essence loves to be told, well done, look how good you are. Sin needs to be patted on the back. How many people do you know that you're sick and tired of patting them on the back? Hey, mom and dad, thank you. You should say thank you. I got up this morning. Hey, wife, you should thank me. I worked today. Husband, you should thank me that I look so good. You with me? See, sin needs and needs to be acknowledged that you have done something. Pause for a moment. Put this in your heart. If you want to live by grace, you've got to get used to never, ever getting any credit. If you want God's best, you will never be able to stand up and, I did it my way. Pretty good voice, huh? Who wants to hear that again? Wow, wow, this is the fifth miracle today. Thank you, God. Oh, for a moment there, I thought I was going to get an operation on my voice. Now watch this. So what he's saying here, the work of God is to believe. And believing is a fruit of grace. So it is the grace of God that, that faith is given to me. So, so watch this now. Look at Galatians 3.3. Your new life began with the Holy Spirit, gave you new birth. So why then would you so foolishly turn from living in the Spirit by trying to finish your own works? Mirror that all the way back to Genesis. Do you realize, just watch very carefully, that when you were born again, you became instantaneously perfect. But I know what you're... I, I, can, I can hear some questions right now. Your thoughts are so loud. Hold on. Yeah, but my behavior doesn't equal that. So, now watch this. The reason we fall is because we don't allow the grace of God to do the works we try to do them. See, the moment I believe that I am perfect some of my habits will just naturally fall away. See, if, let me just show you this. You good with me? 
We need to, this is some spiritual counseling. See, if you don't believe you're perfect in any area because your heart wants to get into the face of God, you will try to add to it so you can get into the face of God. Did that make sense? So if I, if I believe that I am not totally forgiven, I will try to do something to make me totally forgiven. And I'll get into the flesh of the works. So, so when we get to here, is that I... This, so it works like this. Let me tell you if you're there. Okay, this is Esther this. What must I do to be accepted? What must I do to get the favor of God to work for me? What must I do so that God looks upon me favorably and that I get provision? So he, he, he goes, is oh, the other one. What must I do so that I can see miracles in my life? It's all this doing, doing, doing. Look at this. If you want to be made right with God by fulfilling the obligations of the law, you have cut off more than your flesh. You have cut yourselves off from Christ and have fallen away from the revelation of grace. Do you realize that the moment you activate self-effort, you lose the thing that you are going for? The moment you step out of grace. So let's say this, right? You're sick. And you go, I want healing. And then you go, okay, so I can earn that healing. I'm going to get up earlier and pray which is really good. I'm going to read the Word, which is really good. I'm going to take Pastor Ted out for lunch. I eat everything. <laughs> see, see, what happens is this. He says, if you want to be made right, if you want to be put in a position where the fullness of God totally flows through you, let, let, let's say you came to church this morning, and the reason you were praising is because you needed something. Instead of praising him who he is. That is an indicator that you're thinking that your praise will get you to a level where God listens to you. You're very quiet. We, put it, let me put it to you this way. As your senior pastor. Is that sometimes we get so involved with our works that we don't even know that it becomes a part of our system. See, the moment you step out of grace, you lose the thing that you are going for. You're going for healing, and what stops you getting healed is yourself. Everybody go, oh, tell yourself off. No, no, don't do that. No, don't do that. Don't because what I've realized, I tell you, when I, when I realized myself, okay, is this, that every time I had a need, I am tempted to do it my way. You know, when I have no need, I, life is good. Isn't life good when you've got no needs? Life is amazing. Everything is going well. You go, yay! Oh, Jesus, I love you. I'm living by grace. There's nothing wrong. The moment a problem comes along, what must I do? What must I do? What must I buy? What must I get? All of these things. But well, what we end up doing is we end up losing 
the thing that we want. We end up doing this. If I perform well, God will bless me. If I praise right, God will bless me. Have you ever noticed in, in this church, we never tell everybody, everybody has to put their hand up. If you don't put your hand up, I'm going to come up then, pull your limbs out. See, the, see, what happens is this. Anything done in the flesh pulls you away further from the thing that you want. We have, when we don't realize how amazing God is, is that... Look for this now. Watch this. I'm going to close now. Uh, I, oh, sorry, guys. I, I need to repent. Um, I've been preaching for 35 minutes. <laughs> but I think my, watch, my clock is wrong. Daylight saving stuff. Now, watch this. For you to move in grace, you need to be set free from condemnation. Now watch this. Condemnation only works in the area of the flesh. It never works in the area of the spirit. You ne- How many of you have ever felt condemned be- by praising Jesus? I have never been felt condemned in a worship service. You know what? I, I, I'm, sitting, I'm, I'm standing there in the front. I'm worshiping. Amazing worship. I don't feel condemned. What, you know what I feel condemned about? Hey, you didn't pray enough. Hey, Ted, the alarm went off and you pressed the snooze button. And two hours later. See, condemnation doesn't live in the spirit. It lives in the flesh. And the Bible says now there is no condemnation. Why is there no condemnation? It's because you're living in the spirit. So condemnation comes and he talks about this. Condemnation hits what you do and what you don't do. So you need your miracle today. You never approach God in going, Dear God, I need a miracle. Well, I have been getting up at 6 every morning. I pray from 6 to 6.30. I read my Bible from 6.30 to 7. And from 7 to to 7.30, I'm making my wife breakfast. You, you can't do that. Can I, let me just say this. You, you okay? God is not impressed with what you can do. God is impressed with what you believe. The Bible says in Hebrews 11.6, the only way to please him is to believe. And let me just show you this. If you're not, this is biblical belief. When you believe something, there will be a, automatically a corresponding action. When I believe that Suve loves me, I start to act differently and do differently. See, what happened, talking about relationships now, you'll be able to understand this, is when I I was dating Suve, I was trying and I was acting in a manner to win her over. But when we got to a point where I believed that she loved me, every action of mine changed. I was no longer trying to be accepted. I was living as one accepted and planning our future. So before, 
I wasn't planning a home. I wasn't planning a family. I wasn't planning a ministry. I, I just wanted to know her. But the moment I believed she loved me, everything about me changed. I was no longer trying to impress her. I was living with her. See, what we do is when we realize when we have faith, is that there is a corresponding action. I stop competing. My works and my faith are no longer competing. Why am I still trying to compete? If you want a breakthrough, the way you're going to get your breakthrough is this, is that I'm going to start to live by faith. I'm not going to have my works trying to compete with my faith. I am going to have this. Now, you need to understand this so that we don't mix it up. When what you do comes out of what you believe, you get godly results. When you do, when your doing comes out of the belief, you get results. Do you know why you get it, man? Because whatever comes through your faith is activated by love. And it all has to do with Jesus, not you. So, to a person that isn't saved, they only... Watch, now watch this. Because you're a born-again believer, when you see God doing a miracle, you know the first thing you ask is, what do you believe? See, when you're working outside of the kingdom, you ask a person, what did you do so that you can have that. In the kingdom, you do the opposite. It's what did you believe so that you can have that? So look, go out in the driveway when you're on your way out. Find a nice car. And if you're somebody from the church and you want a car like that, you know what you'd go to them? Go and say, hey, I'd like to take you out for lunch. And they go, now, I want you to tell me, what do you believe so that you can drive a car like that? Let me show you how this works. Saul and I... We started our ministry. We were, you know, I went from a very high-paying position to a very low-paying position. I came and worked for the church. And I was told, if you haven't got much, it's a godly thing. I, I didn't like it very much. And I decided to change it. So I picked the richest guy in our church. Now, we didn't have a lot of money then, right? I scraped up $73. Now, the guy, I had a car that I used to lay hands on so it starts. You, you, have you ever had a car like that? Yeah, you know, most people get in the car and they put it on there. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I got, God, I got to go in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I work out my faith. I take my Bible, put it on the bonnet now. Hey, car, listen to the Bible. Yeah, I, I did all of that, right? And, and I had that car, you know, I was driving one day and um, the back door falls out. I'm losing the kids. <sighs> and he, the guy picks me up in a brand spanking limo, BMW with all the works. First thing was, I was intimidated. I felt seriously intimidated. And so, I'm looking at my car, he picks me up, and I felt like apologizing for where I was. And I said, no, I'm not doing it. So I said to him, and he says, oh, you want to catch up to me? He goes, I, want, I said, I want to take you out to lunch. And he goes, okay, I'll take you to my restaurant. And I go, oh no. I said, what's wrong with McDonald's? So, uh, so now I'm praying, plead dear Lord Jesus, $73.50. Talk to him, $73.50. 
And, and he gets this. So we go in there, and God answered my prayer. We come into this top restaurant, and he goes, Ah, oh, look, I'm not really hungry. I want an entree. I go, yeah, neither am I. I actually, yeah. And we start talking, and he says, and I go, look, I, I need to talk to you. And he says, what do you want? I said, I want to know what you believe. I didn't talk to him about his car. I didn't talk about his house. I just said to him, listen, listen. You and I go to the same church. You and I read the same Bible. You and I were saved by the same blood. You and I are infilled with the same Holy Spirit. You and I, I, we sit together. What's the difference between you and me? You with me now? You following me? See, see the thing is, working in the flesh looks at the fruit. Working in the spirit works on the root. So I I didn't want to know about his car. I, I I can look that up. But I wanted to know, you got that. And you have the same resources as I do. And he said this to me. You know what, Ted? I believe everything is God's. I believe it in my spirit. I've asked God and God has blessed me. And he just said this. Everything, Ted, I have is because of the blessing of God. It is because I believe that God is a good God. And that cost me $73.50. I felt like telling him, you could have just said that in the car and dropped me off at the corner. But you know what it was? And I realized I was trying to add something to what he had, and he just used what he had. I just want to put some weight upon your salvation. Right, right now, if you listen to me on, on via a channel, if you're here, I want you to put weight on your salvation. If you're not saved, you can get saved. We're going to have a prayer afterwards. But isn't it time, church, that we start to put weight on what God's done in us and stop trying to make it complete because it's already complete? Isn't it time that we grew up spiritually and started to acknowledge that the work that God has done inside of me is complete? I don't need my, his salvation doesn't need my effort. His, his salvation doesn't need my creativity. His salvation doesn't need my blood, sweat, and tears. That changed our life. Because all of a sudden, I realized I was adding on. Can you add to something that's complete? Whatever is complete, when something is added, gets contaminated. I'm going to pray right now, and I'm going to believe that every contamination of self-effort leaves you right now. That's my miracle today. That's what I prayed for this morning. When I was praying this morning, I really felt like, God, we need to get this out. So... I want you to do something for me. If you want to, I want you to stand with me. Come on. We, we just, just stand with me. And we're going to ask God for a miracle. We're going to ask God that he would just do a miracle. And God, I don't want to be contaminated anymore. God, I don't want, I, I, I just want... I just want all of you and none of my self-effort. So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus... Father, in that amazing, awesome name of Jesus, I come right now because of your blood. I come because of the complete work of God. And so, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for a miracle that you would uncontaminate us. 
Father, let there be a filtering system from now on. When we worship, let there be a filtering system. Father, when we read the Word of God, let there be a filtering system. Father, when we are in our life groups, when we are reading, when we are worshiping, when we are talking, Father, I pray that let there be a filtration system that gets rid of every self-effort. Because right now, God, we're tired. We've tried and tried. Father, the reason we're tired is not because we're in the Spirit. We're tired because we've been trying to add to what's finished. And Father, right now, I want to let you know that it's no longer a two-person race. I'm no longer going to compete with the finished work of God. I right now disqualify myself. I disqualify myself from competing because you have already finished it. And right now, Father, I thank you that I am complete. Father, I thank you there's nothing wrong with me. Father, I thank you that I am totally saved, that I'm totally healed, I'm totally accepted. Father, I just want to thank you that I don't have to try to prove myself to you. I don't have to give you anything to make you make myself acceptable because I'm totally relying on the finished work of God. Father, I right now choose to believe that by through love and grace and faith, I have received the fullness of God in my life. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, give God a hand.